You're listening to Please Save Me. Please Save Me is the official recap podcast of Chicago Heroes, network TV's number one drama. Chicago Heroes is definitely a real TV show, but you won't find it in any TV guide. And if you don't watch it, that's that's your your problem. problem. Singing in the dead of night. Take these broken broken wings and learn to fly fly. all your life. You You were only waiting for this moment to arise. You were only waiting for this moment to arise. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, everybody. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Hey. She doesn't even go here. You don't even go here either. Okay, that's from Mean Girls. Okay, uh, if you're going to heckle us, you better get a better heckle, because that's just stolen straight from Mean Girls. Hey, hey, Tina Fey writes a good zinger, okay? Maybe I can't come up with something better than that, all right? Okay, well then why are you razzing us on the stage of the talent show if you have no talent? My talent is criticism. Your talent is, oh, are are you Triumph the Insult Comet Dog? For me to poop on it, I. Uh... Buddy, go sit down. We sit have every we down. have just as much right to be here as anybody else. Yeah, this is a public school, and we pay taxes that go to the school, so we have a right to be in the talent show. You, no, no more. How no... old are you? I, I'm 17 years old. I, I, I belong here, and you don't. Quit crying like a baby. <laughs> You're a beautiful baby, man. Hey, were you that guy that did the acro yoga earlier? Yeah, I, I, I got on the, the high wire and then I went straight into child pose. Yeah, that was me. That was a good child's pose. Oh, thank you. For me to poop on. No, no, no. Nailed it. You gotta take a sign. You know what makes me really sick to my stomach? What? Watching you stuff your face with those hot dogs. If you see me coming, you better run because I'm gonna lay the fuck down. Nobody, I mean nobody, puts ketchup on a hot dog. Smells like courage. Well, the. Praises go up and the blessings come down, hero worshipers. That's right. We're back here in your earwaves uh, and for another episode of Please Save Me. That is the official recap podcast for television's number one show, Chicago Heroes. Uh, And I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. My name is Ben Flores. And allow me to introduce you to my co-host, Sarah Black. Hi. Welcome to Please Save Me. I'm... Uh I mean, but, uh, we're both just uh, guys stumbling back and falling over meme right now up in here. <laughs> yeah. Because of here. tonight's episode. Um, yeah. Sarah, give me the lowdown. Break it down for me. What are you thinking? What are you feeling? I am thinking I'm on cloud nine. I am feeling like I am on cloud nine. That was a hell of an episode. Yeah. Uh, uh, 
uh, impossible to see them topping themselves after this one. And uh, this was really cool because I just feel like we have not spent a ton of time with Mark Briggs and we really got to know him here. And um, since there were a ton of like actual physical emergencies, like fires or drownings or anything like that, like we really got to like get into the law, which was interesting for me as somebody who's like not a lawyer at all. I anal, I am not a lawyer. And uh, now I feel like maybe I could be. Yeah, I mean, I ain't either and I ain't past the bar, but I know a little bit and I know enough to know that this episode just wouldn't quit. Yeah. It, it was an education. Um yeah. I feel like, you know, maybe it's a little bit of overblown confidence or whatever, but I definitely feel like I could get a pretty high score on the LSAT right now. Oh yeah. Just from what I learned from this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um yeah, I feel like I could at least go to some place like uh John Marshall Law or like IU Law or like uh, Harvard Law or something based on just like how much I learned in this episode but it wasn't all learning it was a lot of fun too and a lot of drama high stakes um, a lot of music which e- I thought was fun yeah I mean even when there's not um, a ton of um, quote-unquote action um, there in this show yeah. there is still the uh, the action of characters interacting with one another yes the internal action of characters figuring out what they're feeling about something yeah 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 yeah. i think that it was a famous author who said that um action is character uh and i found that really to be true we got the characters um revealed to us in this episode tonight through their behavior yeah um who's the author that said that i don't i don't remember it was one of those famous old authors oh okay um, it was sort of like an Ernest Hemingway and F. Scott Fitzgerald yeah I was gonna say F. Scott Fitzgerald it was one of these types sure sure sure, sure. um it might have been F. Scott yeah cool yeah I really love this episode and um I think it would probably be good for us to introduce our guest who actually had like a pretty big hand in this episode and in all of the episodes uh I feel like Ben and I are moving up in the world a little bit we got somebody who's on the crew of Chicago Heroes, we'd like to welcome to the show Frank Cocaine. Hey, how you good doing? Uh, I'm so, can I do that? Can I do that again? Can I do that again? <laughs> sure. Hey, how you doing, everybody? Uh, it's a, so I'm you know, not, Frank, you just do I'm it not, as many times as I'm, you need. I'm sorry. I'm not. I'm not used to being in front of the mic. I'm a behind the scenes guy, so I'm just. I'm. I'm nervous. Oh, I, but you look great. Oh, thank you. I. I really put in the beard balm this morning. I really like. Got the comb out and slicked my hair back. I yeah. Okay. Hey, how you doing, everybody? It's Frank Cocaine here. Okay. Hi. Nice to meet you. Frank. Nice to meet you. Do you uh, want to talk a little bit about what you do on Chicago Heroes? Okay. Well, I ain't all, but I ain't a BB. I am. I am. Wait. I a. I a m a b b. I am a. But no, that's not how it works. I am a I am a best boy. That's what I'm trying to say oh, right now. I'm a great. best boy on the show. Cool. Uh, that's the the assistant uh, to the electricians. Uh, so uh, if they need to move those barn doors on those lights, I'm the guy that they talk to. If they need to tape down some wires, that's me. If they if they need to move a, a camera from one point to another point. That's me. That's great. Um, can you explain to me why is it called a best boy? Well, I mean, I know why, but maybe our listeners don't. Well, sometimes it's called a best girl if it's a woman on set. It's oh, not, not all... a best woman. Oh, interesting. Yeah. It's best boy, best girl, mm-hmm. and it's not they they the the reason passed down from lore they say is it's because 
they're the best boy for the job on the set. So it's like they're they're like the foreman of the set almost. Okay. And do you have to be a boy or a girl to do this job? Like, do you have to be under the age of 18? Do you have to be a child? There are a lot of children that are best boys. Uh, so you can be over the age of 18 and still be a best boy. Great. Though. And how old are you? I am 25 years old. Okay, great. Great. Wow. I'm on the older side of best boys. Yeah. Like, and you look... A lot older than yeah. 25. I would have said from the beard. Uh, I mean, that thing is uh, wizened. Is wizened. Oh, I. It's <laughs> great graying and glistening from all yeah. that balm. You kind of look like Dumbledore. Yeah, uh, I get Gandalf more than Dumbledore to be honest. But I've I never see... seen Lord of the Rings, so oh, I don't. That's just honestly so basic. You look so much more like Dumbledore. That's just people who have a low reference level. Do you I think, think I'm a sorcerer stone? <laughs> what? Do you think I'm a sorcerer stone uh, Dumbledore, or do you think I'm like a later in the movie series? I can't answer. You, you look like book Dumbledore. I can't um, answer that because I'm sorcerer stoned right now. <laughs> and now you said um, past. You said that the description of your job was passed down from lore. So you anal, but is your job an oral? tradition or what <laughs> it is there is no formal job description ever made of a best boy really? on the set yeah oh it's, interesting yeah you it's it's a very studs turkle there's so just when, do a, they, when they post the job opportunity online you have to listen to a clip of the last best boy <laughs> okay all right. So who um so who held your job before? So where did you hear the clip? Where did you get the, where oh, did you find this job? There was this guy named Bill who had it. His name was Bill Hodder. I think that's what his name okay, was. Yeah. And he 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 got some job on some t- other TV show and he was like I'm I'm going in front of the camera now and he just did a big clip of like what it was like to be the best boy on set and then uh, we we sat down and talked. Uh, we we he put microphones in front of me for some reason. It was that's the last time I've been in front of the mic. Was my uh, interview to be a best boy? To be mm-hmm. honest with you, mm-hmm. and uh, so I he said he said I did a good take and that I was ready to go for electronics from then on out on the, all of the sets. Mm. That's great. Well, it's a real delight to have you here. I'm sure that all our listeners, um, sausage heads, are really happy to get a little bit more of a clue into how the sausage is made. Mm. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, there's so much sausage made behind the camera. Like, Oh, that, literally? Oh, yeah. Polishes, uh, Vienna mm. beefs. Like, th- there's a reason why Vienna beef's so prominent in the city. It's because they run a lot of the production companies in town. Oh. Yeah. I love brand synergy. Um, that's really fascinating because I've I've noticed that there's never been, they've never shown Vienna beef on screen. Yeah, and it's it's kind of one of those weird kind of like glaring error, like like mm-hmm. glaring like I'm not seeing the real Chicago kind of things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, which is obviously as you said, um, Frank, you see Vienna beef like truly literally everywhere around the city. Oh yeah, yeah you can't walk outside. Like you go into a Walgreens, go. Buying hot dogs next to your next to your Malort. It's it's all you can see in any any store here. I mean, the sidewalks on Chicago Boulevard are famously paved with Vienna beef. Yeah. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, like it's it's uh, calcified from just all the people beating down with their rubber foots on top of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're God, just, I love hot dogs. I never had one. <laughs> Wait. So they're making them behind the scenes constantly. You've just never. Uh, I'm, I'm true master doesn't touch his work 
Do they make you, hmm. do they sort of make you work like you're working in a drug facility, like a, like yeah, packing I, drugs? So or... I, I put on my gloves. Oh, and he's putting as, on his gloves right now yeah, for the listener just yeah, to see. Yes, but even when talking about the sausage being made, I have to put on gloves. That is how committed to the art I am. The, I put it through the grinder. I put it in its casing. I, put, I have the and celery what is salt. it? <laughs> to which you refer oh just you know various meat byproducts of sure. pork uh dairy you know oh wait so these have dairy in them yes dairy mm. so just the whole so you use the whole hog oh yeah the whole hog. i love a creamy hot dog yeah yeah you the the cream of the dog is it's a little oh. known <laughs> it's a little known secret ingredient to a lot of hot dogs that you gotta have a nip of cream in there when i that's actually what i have the next morning when i drink too much milk the night before is cream of the dog <laughs> um, just to kind of get me going for the day a little yeah, bit yeah um well that's really uh that's really fascinating frank um so do you ha- do you have aspirations to be on camera as well i mean is that the typical career arc for a best boy or? uh yeah he generally goes from best boy uh featured player <laughs> Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. but I don't know if I'm ready for it just yet. I think I got a couple more years making dogs and taping down lights sure. before before I'm ready to be seen on screen at all. Yeah, that's I, interesting because I'm always calling Cole and uh, Dylan Sprouse my best boys, yeah, so yeah. that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, they just became featured players on Chicago Heroes. Yeah, and you know, I wanted to say um, Dylan and Cole Sprouse just celebrated their birthdays Um uh, a couple a couple of weeks ago and uh, I just wanted to wish them a very very happy birthday if you guys are listening to this please come on the podcast and um, I hope you guys had a great day um, I, I love now I love that you. it's off the restricted intellectual property list uh, let's just go ahead and take a quick moment to um, avail ourselves of the opportunity to sing happy birthday to those guys <laughs> and not using the fake one that they sing to you in some lame ass restaurant Okay. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Colin Dylan Sprouse. Happy birthday to you. Now, I anal, but my understanding is now that we have recorded that on wax, um, we have officially renewed the copyright and we're going to be reaping some of those sweet, sweet royalties from that whenever someone sings it in the future. What does on wax mean? Um, On wax is, I believe that it's an audio term for when you record something um, and it comes from when you put something out over the earwaves, it goes into the ear. Earwax. And then once it's in there, it's on the wax on of the wax. ear. I got it. To, I have to clean the wax of the feature players sometimes. And there's just so much music notes left in those wax. And it, like the oh. earwax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, oh, you can it, see them? Yeah, like the, they're like you, if you put it under a microscope, like you can see tiny music notes. That's cute. It's all treble clef, though. No bass clef gets stuck in the wax. Oh, interesting. Must mm-hmm. be a, a chemistry thing. So, Frank, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades over there. Oh, I'm the best at everything, except talking in front of people. Wow, boastful much. Uh, yeah, that's, it's, hey, he is the best boy. It's part of the job. Like, if you're willing to be interviewed, you will, I will go through it all with you. But I don't know if, if you're ready. If I'm willing to be interviewed, you will go through it all with Let's me. Let's go yeah. through it. Kick it off, buddy. Um, ask me what you're good at. Okay. <laughs> so, this is how the interview begins. Do you have a job? Yes. Yes. Do you uh, have, we both do, and we it is podcast co-hosts of Please Save Me. Do you have $199? We can, no. No. 
Not, we could find it. Now, I anal, but I know that if I'm talking to a lawyer, I'm not supposed to say more than I'm asked. So unless there's a follow-up, I'm just going to be giving yes or no's. Okay. Okay. Yeah, good. Me too. Do you think you could be approved for a used car payment at Pontiac Toyota? Why would I need to be approved for a used car payment at Pontiac Toyota? Are they going to be asking me to do something that is inappropriate? Yeah, they're going to ask you to do an oral tradition. You failed the best boy test already. Shit. All right. Well, we might as well uh, move along to talking about the episode <laughs> yeah. um, tonight. Uh, we've already been kind of um, squinting and hinting at it. Mm-hmm. Um And you may have some idea of what happened in the episode tonight, especially if you've already watched. Um, Yes, which you should have. And the episode, in case you haven't watched, go ahead and pause it. Check it out on your apps. It's called Lawyer Lawyer. If you have one of those fancy uh, podcasting apps that lets you pause, um, you go ahead and do that. Um, I'm not going to assume that all of our listeners are <laughs> quite so loaded, uh, but uh, but but who knows? You know, maybe we're playing to the big leagues here. Uh, but yes, as Sarah said, um, why don't you hit him with that episode title again, Sarah? It's so good. <laughs> it's called Lawyer Lawyer. And if you don't already, if the, your, your gears aren't already turning about what this episode was about. Then you are not cut out for the profession of um, law guy. Yeah, because this episode was about lawyering. So um, I thought the title was actually a pretty big hint. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> it was. And this one featured... Um, it was actually, it's really interesting, Frank, that you say that thing about people becoming featured players because mm-hmm. that's something that we have seen happen in the show is there's not one star. Everybody kind of gets their turn. Yeah. And tonight, uh, Mr. Tay Diggs playing uh, Mark Briggs was the star player in this episode. He was the oh. nucleus of the atom that is the Chicago Heroes universe. And we open on him. He's in like a very fancy hotel bar and he's talking to a guy in a suit. And it's a little bit mysterious. You're like, who is this guy? What are they talking about? They both have an old fashioned cocktail and they're all just like kind of, it's like very clear some business is happening yeah and i was going what are they talking about for quite a (laughs) while just because of the way that they they layered the 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 soft jazz of the bar up over the conversation (laughs) where you couldn't really make it out yeah and they did that for about four or five minutes (laughs) yeah they made they i was the one playing soft jazz actually live uh over i just thought you were an electrician's assistant and here you are playing soft jazz yeah 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 they uh, after I'd gotten everything taped down and all the lights set up, they gave me a clarinet and uh, how to play like Kenny G tape, and they gave me six hours to get it together, and that's what I came you up with. You did. It sounded great. Yeah. I, I Listen, I'm doing my best. I What can I say? Yeah, you, you are the best boy. Yeah. The, the funny thing about playing jazz <laughs> over two of the greatest actors of our generation is they really know how to project. They're really good at projecting. Yes. They have um, a lot of diaphragm support. Um, You can tell like, uh, yeah, they, yeah. I mean, it was kind of like, even if you couldn't tell if you, even if you couldn't hear what Daniel day Lewis was saying, (laughs) you could really hear it with your eyes by seeing the way that he (laughs) kept mouthing. I drink your milkshake. 
to Tay Diggs and he was kind of doing big pantomime of drinking a milkshake and showing out a diagram and everything. Yeah. Um, what I was trying to figure out was kind of like, well, I know that these are business guys because they're wearing business suits, but how does this have to do with business? Yeah. yeah. Like what's the actual business? And after about four or five minutes of this, we kind of, <laughs> we zoom in. So yeah, after about four or five minutes of this, we zoom in really close on their mouths so we can finally hear what they're saying. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis is a lawyer and he's trying to woo um, uh, Mark Briggs back to his former um, law firm. And they're kind of talking about what that would mean in terms of money for Mark Briggs. It's a huge bump in pay for him and it's a lot more um, interesting clients. They have a really, really strong client base. So it's kind of like a no brainer to me, but it's also like, does Mark Briggs want to go back to working for a bunch of like corporate fat cats and um, instead of being a, a public defender like he currently is? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah and we got that explicitly I, I liked the way that they showed that where they zoomed in on the <laughs> lips and then they panned down to them having this negotiation by sliding paper they would write their answer and their offer right their offer and their answer down yeah. on slips of paper um sliding them back and forth across the bar to each other yeah. over and over yeah and they would always write check yes or no just <laughs> just to like keep the process going a little bit more expedient yeah and i liked how they then um at one point maybe just to kind of keep the conversation interesting maybe just to keep daniel day lewis on his toes mark briggs folded one of those into one of the elementary school um a cootie catcher a cootie catcher thing and he <laughs> he made him choose a flap and then open it up and, and then choose another like, flap and open it yeah, up. yeah and then eventually it just said you're coming back baby yeah and by the end of it they were i mean by the end after that then they were just as far as I could tell, just playing a game of like elementary school mash. Yeah. Um, yeah. It turns out they're both going to live in a shack. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, um, they're going to marry apartment house, something, um, mansion apartment. How did that work? Mash Man mansion, apartment, shack house. And, but then didn't you also get to find out your crush or something like you got, that? You didn't find out your crush. You found out who you're going to marry. So you'd write four different or a as many different names down as you want. Um, so they, wrote four of their crushes down and obviously one of them was Samantha Boltz for both of them, which was a little bit like caused some tension. Um, and then you also write down like how many kids you're going to have. And, uh, in a funny little twist, Mark Briggs is going to have 69 kids. <laughs> and then, when that um, happened, everyone on set lost their minds. Oh yeah. That was crazy. And that was all improvised, which was nuts. And then you find well, out, and you could kind of tell it was improvised because of the way that, um, to use a little insider language from improv classes, the way that, that Danny, I'm taking at UCB that's And Sarah comes, I can't afford them. So Sarah comes back and she gives me all of the, um, she uses a voice memo in her pocket to record the whole class and then I'll yeah. listen to it. So I'm familiar with the concept of yes. And, <laughs> and Daniel day Lewis actually, yes. And did, Mark uh, Tay Diggs so well when yeah. Tay Diggs was going to have the 69 kids and then yeah. Daniel Day-Lewis without skipping a beat wrote down that he was going to have 420 20 kids. kids. Yeah. Uh, no, I... <laughs> yeah. And I kind of knew where this was going. That had going. me cracking Yeah. Up. I was crying. You couldn't <laughs> yeah. see me because I was wearing my horse blinders and my headphones. But um, did that Frank, just the guy, I mean, just the guys, the gals on set. I mean, did that get, you guys must really like get going. I mean, the, the way they riff, like, I'm the one playing actual jazz, but they're doing jazz just with their lines of dialogue, yeah. you know? Like, how can how can anyone... I, uh, like, I see it on set on so regular of a basis, but it always blows my mind every yeah. time. 
Masters of their and, craft. And um, I wouldn't say, though, that you guys had a regular bassist. I mean, that you guys what had Les Claypool playing oh. uh, jazz alongside your clarinet. Oh, man. Mm-hmm. Uh, truly, that slapping and popping that he can work into any sort of song and mm-hmm. it be seamless and not out of place at all. Mm-hmm. Like, it always just blows my mm-hmm, mind. Mm-hmm. I can barely tell it's Les Claypool sometimes playing next to me. He I just, didn't think he was going to hit. I didn't think that he was going to be able to fit the Seinfeld theme in a tenth time into that solo but boy did he do it he sure did he just yeah listen it's a touchstone for him some people like play love and cup and they're just like this is what i think music is seinfeld theme that was it for les claypool yeah i want to get back to the game of mash um (laughs) because there's a lot of other stuff they found out oh yeah for sure sorry about that so Um, digression um and a little bit of a kind of twist um they both wrote down jobs which is another part of it and um it was for mark it was either um public defender or working for big law firm and of course it landed on working for big law firm so his it was kind of sealed his fate was sealed and then he also learned that he was going to drive um the scooby-doo mystery machine which was kind of funny and silly um and uh there was probably some other stuff and i just forgot uh, yeah i thought a part i thought was such a great uh pull was like when they were playing mash for daniel day lewis's character Mm -hmm. and it actually said he had to be an oil man in the late 1800s early 1900s i thought oh like what a fun little like easter egg it was such a wink to the eye and so then he leaves the scene by saying i guess i have to invent a time machine now (laughs) yeah yeah and that's how we got the movie hot tub time machine Uh, yeah 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 like yeah, uh, Daniel Day-Lewis used the hot tub time machine to go back to the mid-2000s and star in um, There Will Be Blood, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which a lot of people don't know. Yeah. Uh, but the great thing about this show is sometimes you learn stuff from watching it. Yes, um, and well, yeah, we've talked about that kind of at length already. We kind of learned how to be lawyers today, but we also learned a lot about film history, and we also learned a lot about how... I don't think we learned a lot, but I think we were reminded how to play like playground childhood games, which was really cool. Yeah, totally. I mean, there were other patrons in the bar who we kind of cut around, saw what they were doing. We had yeah. mini tetherball going on in one of the booths. <laughs> oh, yeah. man, um, the amount of work I had to put in to make that mini tetherball set, like that was handcrafted. Like, Oh, was there, is it electric? No, Why it, did you have to create it? It was an artisanal tetherball set it was only like two feet high like you can put it on the table so they can play tetherball with one another do you have that can we have that uh i think it is owned by the production company but i you know i i can make another one for you real fast just okay yeah oh my god he's making it right now that's nuts you are the best boy wow truly incredible okay uh don't worry about this it's a gift (sighs) thank you um well, we don't have anywhere to put this, so I'm going to actually throw it out the window. Yeah, chuck it. But, um, <laughs> it but that actually makes me think. Did you also make the little miniature swing set that um, they had uh, the little miniature action figures trying to loop the loop on? Oh, that was actually built by uh, just a gaffer. And he was just like, he just had some spare time like after he set up a light or two and was just like, yeah, I can do the swing. So I don't do it all. I do most of it. Now, Frank, I don't want to overstep here but i'm a little concerned about you i mean it seems like they have you doing a lot of stuff over there it's a it's a set 
it's a big crew. There's a there's thirty people. So that makes sense for why they would have to have you do so much. <laughs> yeah, there's thirty people on set sometimes, and for some reason they just don't know what to do, and I'm the only person who knows how to do it. I like why can't other people know how to build props like that? On such a quick time span. I, I don't know. I just, I'm the best, and so I do what I gotta do. Well, you have a strong sense of duty and... Um, <laughs> duty. <laughs> and uh, we have a strong sense of duty to continue talking about the episode because we know that our <laughs> listeners out there are, um, you know, wondering what happened after minute 22? You know, what yeah. happened after we got out of this hotel elementary bar. school games in the hotel bar scene? <laughs> Um, I always feel like the best episodes are in the first 22 minutes and then that second 22 minutes of an episode like you're just you're just connecting things like you could like you ever hear the best short story is one where if the last page was gone you would know the ending that's how I feel about Chicago heroes who said that was that F Scott Fitzgerald or it might have been Kurt Vonnegut but I forget Don't know him. Whenever I submit a short story to be published, I always I always put right at the beginning just a little inside joke that says, "For submission, short story never published," um, because then it's a little bit like a little two for one yeah. that the because um, that's a story because oh, that yeah. actually is a whole story uh, yeah. being told in, in and it's itself. the saddest story. Yeah, it is the saddest story um, because it continues to be true every time I submit my short story somewhere. Um, so yeah, the next the next few minutes of it, um, we really get into. Uh, him kind of working at his old firm. And I have to say the other Chicago heroes and rightfully so were a little bit baffled by this, especially Samantha Boltz, because as we all know, they have all this sexual tension. She really is drawn to his, um, his sense of morality. And um, she felt like this was kind of like out of character for him. And she showed up at his apartment and they kind of talked it out. And I was like, when are they going to kiss? And they didn't um, yet again, which is, fine uh and yeah so they kind of had a little tiff about it and you're like sensing all this tension and uh yeah he went back to work there and there was a lot of him like walking down the halls talking with people and doing like kind of legalese stuff I don't understand um all the paralegals were fawning over him um every single one because hi uh and it's kind of crazy when somebody shows up to your law firm wearing a, uh, a shirt with an ab cut out in it under his suit jacket. And so everybody was just kind of going wild for this guy. And he's like walking around and like not really paying attention to all the um, the fawning that is happening around him because he is just like there to work. It was wild that Tay Diggs walked onto set with his abs showing like that. Like he didn't even have to go into dress for that. No. Yeah. And I think that's what I like about all these um, heroes is that they very clearly just embody the characters. They don't they they don't waste time, you know, with setup. They they live they live in they live in that universe. Yeah. I mean, whenever you see pictures of Tay Diggs out in the trades, like he's wearing his lawyer shirt with the abs cut out. <laughs> yeah. And um, I, I guess I guess like for us as fans, we just kind of become used to that at yeah. this point. Yeah. Um, that's Sandra true. Bullock is usually dressed like a veteran cop. Yeah. Um, out whenever you see pictures of her just kind of out from in public in the trades. Yeah. Um, Selena Gomez usually dresses like a rookie cop. Yeah. Um, where <laughs> she still, she still has her, um, uh, white belt with, he, she's still wearing her white belt, obviously. Yeah. And a really big brimmed police hat. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, he's working, working, working. And, um, he, he lands a big client, um, 
and the client is the warp tour uh which f- fun what a fun client to work on but um unfortunately they're having a class action lawsuit filed against them by all the pop punkers who are really pissed that um warp tour is going out of business and so then they're kind of they're all suing warp tour i don't it was hard for me to uh i felt kind of like the other characters the other heroes were audience surrogates for me this week because i really couldn't believe it when i saw mark briggs about to defend this big business against the people i was like don't do it i know and we saw the other um heroes all kind of meeting up at soligan's bar and grill and discussing it they were like can you believe can you believe Mark? Yeah. Can you believe he's doing this? Um, And then one of them was even like speculating, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm sure he has his reasons. Yeah. Um, And I love that they were doing this all over um, a fishbowl of Chicago chowder. Yeah. They had the, they had the, um, the, they had the uh, Scorpion bowl that they were all sharing. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And they all had their own little individual straws and they were all kind of, that was just like a fun thing. And I love that Soligans has started doing that as kind of like a promo. Oh, yeah, and I actually also love that uh, they we saw the um, sign at the Soligans register that said, uh, you have to take a straw with your shouter, uh, and then it said in parentheses, <laughs> to own the libs. Yeah, 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 yeah. I actually also love that, too. Yeah, um, and I'm sure that we all do. I'm sure that um, Frank does, too. Do you love that, Frank? Oh, when there's a cuppa and you a big a big cuppa. A big cuppa, and you, you got to chug through a straw. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Yummy. Oh, just it's hard to keep the keep the set rolling because yeah. it's just so heavy, you know. And so you haven't eaten the be- Vienna beef that is made behind the scenes. Have you had a cup of Chicago Shouter? Oh, it's I have a cup of every morning. Oh, do you put an egg on it? Uh, if I have time, sometimes the work schedule gets real tight and I can't cook an egg to put on top of that cup of. But sure, I can't it, cook an egg. Period. So uh, yeah, I get it. Like, man. I like to have it animal style, and I just crack the egg in, and I let the hot shouter cook the egg. Oh, oh yeah, that's just a little bit of a trick. Oh, I haven't thought about that. I thought I was the best, but you proved me wrong right there. I didn't. We're all the best boys in our own ways. Man. That's a life hack. Man. <laughs> the people that had to be called to the witness stand for this warp tour case, like it was. I can't believe we got all of those guests on in one episode. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we had them like we had a little quick montage of them sorting papers, sorting, sorting, sorting. And then um, it was like flash forward to trial. I was yeah. kind of was like, OK, um, OK. So, uh, that's you know, <laughs> okay. that's how, I guess that's how lawyers lawyer is. Yeah. Uh, time is money. And yeah. um, they want to keep those billable hours down as as much as possible so they can get into court. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And there were a couple. Yeah. You mentioned there are a lot of famous people in this episode. We had another Timothy who's not Chalamet. Um Oh yeah, Timothy Oliphant. He came in from Justified to do like a quick guest spot. And, yeah, uh, my favorite Timothy, a hundred percent. Okay, it was actually, oh, wow. and it was funny how he did the guest spot during the witnessing, where he they actually bumped one of the regular witnesses off the stand when Oliphant showed up to do the guest spot. Yeah, and Is they it let Oliphant? him. They let him do his. Yeah, it's Oliphant. I um, always read it as Oliphant, um, but I like it now that I know. I like it better now that I know how to pronounce it. Yeah, and it's, uh, it's an oral history how you pronounce Oliphant. Sure, sure, yeah. sure, sure. 
as most and for any of our listeners who didn't get to watch the show um, tonight, that was Sarah and Frank doing uh, a little bit of the interaction <laughs> that Mark Briggs had when he was checking the witness name. Yeah. Um, when Timothy Oliphant showed yeah. up mm-hmm. to just to clarify for the stenographer yeah. for the record. I feel like all last name pronunci- pronunciations are based on oral history. <laughs> Oh, 100%. Like, oh, Like, okay. my last name is Cocaine, but... Yeah, what's uh, that from? What's the etymology behind that? It's from... Uh, you've heard of cane sugar before, right? Yeah. And, okay, so Co is, like, the company of cane sugar. And so my family uh, is from the Virgin Islands, where a lot of the sugarcane plant was originally from before uh-huh. it was harvested and moved into the States. Sure. And so we're the cocaine family. It's fascinating. It's interesting. You learn something every day on this podcast. You do. And, and that's what we're no here for different. is to teach you something. Yeah. Um, cocaine. Uh, why Co- isn't it cane co? Oh, I guess I. Whew. Call uh, your grandpa. Have him tell you. Okay. I'll, I'll call Jesse cocaine and see if he can <laughs> really. We call everybody by our first and last names in the family. Well, with the last name like Cocaine, how could you not? Yeah, it's like I never called my dad dad. I was always just like Steve Cocaine and oh. Cocaine. If I met your dad, I'd call him Daddy Cocaine. Yeah, he didn't like that. He didn't like when Oh, you I- tried it and it didn't work out. <laughs> yeah, he got it. He sent me to the field for a couple hours after I called uh, him Daddy Cocaine. Yeah. And he was like, you need to peel some of the sugar back. And I was like, okay, yeah, I, I understand, Father. And he's yeah. like, don't call me Father either. I'm Steve Cocaine. Oh, okay. So we're also peeling back the layers of this episode, uh, and we go to court, and Warp Tour is up against uh, a bunch of pop punkers who were all there to watch, which I thought was great. They're all wearing their like Blink One Eighty Two MXPX like shirts, and they're all there, and they're like ready to party after they win. Oh, Travis Barker! You could see in the back if you really look. Like he didn't yeah. want to make a big deal out of it, but that neck tattoo you can see from a mile away. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. I think Travis Barker must be a fan because he keeps reappearing on Chicago Heroes, and it's um, I can't help but think that all the Blink guys must be. Oh, must be fans of the show because they seem to find themselves doing background yeah. or cameos on a lot of episodes. Well, Tom or maybe was, the makers of the show are fans of that. Yeah. Well, Tom was all over that Alien episode. Oh, yeah. I mean, absolutely. Uh, one thing that we actually learned uh, after the fact with the Alien episode, um, we didn't mention this at the time, but I was reading in the trades that it was the that they actually purchased to the the rights to aliens don't exist by blink 182 and that was where the episode came from yeah uh, yeah that aliens do exist <laughs> they purchased the rights to aliens exist yes yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i was gonna say that classic I, blink 182 song i probably shouldn't tell you guys this this is kind of like a secret ooh, uh, ooh, uh, we love we, secrets yes, we pray ooh, that give you us, do give us. Tell us. <laughs> it's a little behind the scene production thing but i love scenes. there is just made there is some kind of under the table sponsorship from the Blink guys a lot <gasps> on episodes of uh, Chicago Heroes. Well, I'm glad they're putting their money where their mouth is. Like this is like, you, and their faces and their bodies are. Obviously, please don't let this get back to me by publicly posting this or anything. Oh no, 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 no. we never we do. Never. No, don't do that. But 
the Blink guys, they'll, they'll send like 10 grand an episode just to get their topics written into the show, or they can have a little little cameo spot. Like, that's all of them. Huh. huh. That I'm trying to think about whether that all makes sense and whether that clicks with me. Yeah, it um, does with me. Like, is if I had $199, that's probably what I would do is give it to them and make them let me be in the background. Yeah, probably. I mean, and I was just even thinking, like, is there stuff that I've seen in the show where in hindsight, like, it, was it was it Blink product placement? I don't yeah. know. Like, the product placement in this show is honestly so seamless yeah. that you probably wouldn't be able to tell. And, of course, I'm talking about seamless, um, yeah. which is in is one of the only ways that characters ever seem to eat in this show is they mm-hmm. get seamless delivery. Even yeah. if they're in a place that's kind of, kind of out of the way, yep. uh, like you wouldn't think that seamless would deliver there. Yeah. Um, like in the like episode the... where they go to space, yeah, I mean, <laughs> we had the spe- seamless rocket ship that rolled up right, be- <laughs> rolled up right beside them with, um, chicken fries from Burger King. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. and seamless, as we all know, has a big beef with Vienna beef. And that's why they can't be on screen at the same time, even oh, though they're involved. Even though Vienna beef is never on screen. Mm. Well, th- yeah. that's what he's saying exactly. Is Seamless oh. has such a beef with them that like we'll never see a character eating a Vienna beef because Seamless delivers all the food. Yeah. Like so, even though they're such a big part of like the electronics and like back of the house production, because of Seamless's on camera work, they that never the two shall meet. Never the two shall meet. Does this make sense? Oh, yeah. Yeah, totally. totally. Okay. Um, and, and, and I mean, um, and just now that I think about it, all the characters who uh, kind of at like random intervals throughout episodes will say that they're 23 while they're doing like some kind of a prank call or where they're doing something really immature. Uh-huh. Like that's got to be Blink-182 um, yeah, because nobody likes nobody likes you when you're trying to. Think. I thought yeah. you were gonna. A, say- a lot of people think that's a Michael Jordan reference, but it's not. Oh. That was what I thought for so long because yeah. the number twenty three was so emphasized. Um, yeah, yeah. But I couldn't figure out why they would say nobody likes me when I nobody likes me when I'm twenty three. Yeah. So I was like, well, if that's MJ, people did like him when he was twenty three. Yes, people loved him when he was twenty three. <laughs> they didn't like him when he was playing baseball or golfing or whatever. But yeah, yeah. they was twenty three. I mean, that was when he was uh, the king, which is what they always called him. Yeah, that half season where he just had a random number after his dad died hated in chicago nobody liked mj and then he went back to 23 and then everybody loved him again yeah but now nobody likes him because he's an asshole yeah uh i mean as everybody knows um he's not the goat um but he makes a goat of a steak though he makes a goat of a steak yeah he's the greatest of all time at a steakhouse and if you would like to get a goat of a steak, uh, head on down to the Michael Jordan Steakhouse uh, and use the promo code BABA, motherfucker, and you will get served up a uh, you'll get served up a goat steak cooked over hard uh, for um, for no cost. Um, so that's actually a really bad deal. And go on down and get it. <laughs> Anyways, back to the episode. Yeah, back um, to the episode. So, go ahead. Mark Briggs has has got him um got him on the stand. Uh, all these witnesses. Yeah. And and you think he's gonna you think he's gonna you know make turn this whole thing out for a warp tour and get them a bunch of money or uh you know get them off the hook, but we have a little twist. We had a little bit of a twist. Um, there was a little bit of foreshadowing i would say oh where um where we had the 
kind of sidebar that he had with Daniel Day-Lewis, you know, mm-hmm. where Daniel Day-Lewis is like, uh, Mark, I sure hope that you're going to win this case for us and bring home lots of money to uh, our big law firm. And Mark Briggs kind of did like a stage whisper, you know, mm-hmm. where he was like, yes, I left my life of public service to come back to make money for big businesses because I love profits. Yeah. And I was kind of like, huh. The way that he said that was almost a little too convincing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now that you're saying that, I just thought that he meant it. And I didn't realize at all that it was foreshadowing. Yeah. And now that you're saying it, I'm like, oh, God, ugh, what a dummy. Totally. I mean, because the way that he put like a little bit of a megaphone up to his mouth so that everyone <laughs> in the court would hear him. I was a little bit like, huh? Huh? Why would he be doing that? Huh? You guys would not believe how hard it is to light foreshadowing for a scene. <laughs> Oh, because of all the shadows. Yeah, you have to make the shadows all go forward somehow. So you're you're having lights in the shot, so they go forward. So you have to have the shadows where the lights would usually be, and the lights where Uh, the shadows would usually be. I feel even stupider for not getting it. Like just because of the lighting and the fact that he was just like being very obvious. I'm like, I know, like we're in this scene. It was like every person that was talking was completely enshrouded in darkness, and everyone else was in bright light. Yeah, Um, raw egg on my face. (laughs) Uh, cooked uh, cooked egg covered in chowder on my face uh it was yum (laughs) yeah now that i think about it it was kind of one of those great moments where the visuals of the episode Mm -hmm. perfectly matched with what it was about yes a very cise which is uh helpful to me um, we, if you would like to watch our canceled spinoff television show of please save me head on over to see so uh, and you can get 15% off of your subscription to that um, subscription price being, of course, zero because it doesn't exist. Yeah. I did some PA work for CISO uh, for a little bit. I uh, uh, For Jonah Ray's Hidden America, yeah, like uh-huh. I, I had to bring the beef backstage a lot in between sets for him for that. Uh, when he was interviewing people, like I had to hold the boom. Yeah, oh, so yeah. I just, just little stuff. Nothing like I'm doing now where... But, you know, it was a living. Yeah. No, just little stuff. That's really fun. Jonah I would Ray. give anything to hold a boom. And for our listeners out there, Frank just did a really great visual bit where he showed us how to hold a boom. And yeah. And his arms are ripped. Ripped and long. It's I mean, ripped long. And this guy, long and this long guy and can ripped. hold a boom great because his arms extend three, four feet up above his head. Yeah. Uh, so it'll never be in the shot. You'll never know this, but I have an eight inch bicep. Well, but I do know it now. But yeah. a 20 inch forearm. I'm like Popeye. So you have the world's largest dick. <laughs> I don't, I wasn't making. You I, winked I, at me when you said it. What? Yeah, you, you winked at me. You winked with both eyes when you said it, man. I don't want to. Every, every interview always goes to my dick. It feels like I just, I Okay. All right. Maybe maybe if you didn't call yourself the best all the time, things wouldn't go to your dick so much. Yeah. And maybe if you weren't wearing a shirt that says, please ask me about my huge dick, maybe maybe fewer people would talk to you about it. Okay. I have a huge dick. I admit it. All right. Fine. Cool. We all do. Okay. I'm not saying everybody here doesn't have a huge dick. Everybody here can have a huge uh, dick. We don't have to go into this every time. Okay. All right. All right. Let's just... Do you ever call it your Vienna beef? I call it my the cream of the beef most of the time. Oh. Yeah. Weird and gross. <laughs> um, well, uh, we'll come back to... Um, 
just maybe to give our listeners a little bit of a chance to play the game for themselves, the game of foreshadowing, uh, see if you can figure out why Mark Briggs said what he said. Uh, we're going to go to our sponsors, and when we get back, we'll do the big reveal of what did Mark's, what did Mark Briggs mean when he loudly said to the whole courtroom, I left uh, my life of public service because I love big business and I want to make profits, and then winked with both of his eyes back and forth. Uh, but we'll just take a quick break. Hey, Heroheads. Thanks for listening to this episode. Our sponsor, as always, is you. Head to iTunes and review, rate, and subscribe us. We don't have any reviews to read this week because people were laughing so hard they couldn't even review us. But if you review the show, uh, we might review, we might review, we might reveal your review on a future episode. In our new segment, we call "Revealing Reviews." Thanks for listening. Back to the up. <laughs> well, well, well. Did you figure it out? <laughs> Do you think you know Mark Briggs's secret? <laughs> Did you watch the episode? We think you probably have figured it out by now, but uh, especially if you watched the episode. But spoiler alert, we're about to reveal it to you. Yep. Uh, so, big plot twist, big plot turn, Sarah. You were about to say it. Uh, now and you cut me we're gonna, off. yes, we're gonna. Re- I cut you off with an embargo, um, which we discussed before the show. We said big embargo till after the break. We're not gonna give the big reveal. Oh, I thought an embargo was a boat. <laughs> I that, thought you were just pointing, pointing at a big boat. <laughs> I was pointing out the big pane glass window that we got fixed in our trailer um, out to the <laughs> marina where there was a big boat pulling up. Um, yeah, because just a little bit of an update. Um, Somebody with like a sort of a, a big rig, um, they came up and our trailer was in the tow lot. It was right next to a shipping crate mm-hmm. and we think they made a mistake. They accidentally hooked up us up to the big rig. Right. So right now we're cruising down highway one, just yeah. right along the um, Chicago coast. Yep. And um, <laughs> yes, the Chicago coast. The Chicago yeah. shoreline. Um, so anyway, I did point at a boat earlier, so it makes sense. that someone Yeah. Frank Cocaine, do you call your dick your, your big rig? No, it's still the cream of the beef. That's why I That's still call it that. Still uh, so gross. Uh, yeah. Let's play. <laughs> what does Franco King call his dick? You know the right answer. Try to come up with the wrong one. No, but let's actually play. What, what was Mark, Mark Briggs' saying? Big saying. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I gotta get it together. Um. Wait. I have a guess for what. Okay. Yeah, guess. I think. Uh, okay. Now, this will be interesting to see what your guess is because, as far as we know, you were on set. Yeah. So, again, I'm the best boy. I don't really have access to the script. I just do the shots as they're given to me. I skip and you watch the show being filmed. And I watch the show being filmed. But I don't know the order all of this stuff goes in. Well, like, as they famously shoot everything. Wildly out of order. Wildly. Yeah, yeah. So this, so from my piecing together, he will actually uh, not work for a big law firm and help uh, Warp Tour uh, be uh, 
I don't know. I got no nothing. Uh, I that got- was a good guess, but it, uh, and you were a little bit off because he was not helping Warp Tour okay. at all. He was being kind of a double agent, if you will, and he was actually out to destroy Warp Tour um, because he knew he got a tip that they had been embezzling so much money, and he out of uh, just a sense of morality that Mark Briggs morality that we all know decided to take them down um, from the inside and uh, kind of pay out all the pop punkers who were pissed about their, about the bankruptcy and uh, yeah. Does that make sense? Oh, totally. And I was just thinking while you were saying, when you use those words, calling him a double agent, I was like, that's actually even another reason that we probably should have been even more clued into the specifics than we were because after he did the megaphone thing, talking to the whole court, the music in the episode went, it was like very mission impossible bond style. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't do a very good job just now recreating it, but it I was that kind of jangly, uh, mysterious oh. surf guitar. And I have to guess, oh. Frank Cocaine was the one playing that. Man, this foresh—I'm just my mind's racing of how the foreshadowing part works now. Like I was like, oh, foreshadow, as in it was. Oh man, holy moly, what a. What an episode I I helped make. Huh? Now, Frank, did you... Um, I, we were very clear that you were supposed to watch this before you came here to I film. did watch it in a way. I watched every scene get filmed. I watched every take. I but saw. it seems like you were so focused on doing your job that maybe you missed quite a bit of the plot. Yeah, like uh, when you're... In the middle of something, you don't necessarily know what's happening. You're like a cog in the machine. Like, like I was, I was building the sets. I was playing jazz. I, I did a bad Mission Impossible song, like in the background. Like, yeah, like that was all me. I didn't fully understand what was happening at the time, as you are revealing to me right now. I, I'm honestly very shocked. I was, wow, whoo, <sighs> oh. Oh my gosh, I, you are sweating. I, I mean, I thought I was good at my job, but I, I you maybe are good th- at your job. there are some pieces of the puzzle that are missing in my brain. I think. Oh. Yeah, I'll say, buddy. Oh, <laughs> oh huh. no. So yeah, so Warp Tour went down in flames, and Mark Briggs was the hero of the day, and all the heroes kind of welcomed him back to Sulligans, um, and they all he they added an extra straw to that fishbowl of chowder, and that's kind of where we ended, and it was like a really cool yeah I just feel like all the I, heroes clapped him on the back, and they yeah. we knew you would never go over to the dark side that yeah. kind of stuff to him yeah and um, we never doubted you for a second was a thing that a lot of them said to him yeah that was the end of the episode that was the last shot that well, when the did last they f- shot was him sitting next to Samantha Bolts at the um bar and you see they zoom in very close on their hands under the bar and she kind of reaches her pinky out and grabs his pinky and that's the that, first we've seen them touch <laughs> that's actually the first shot we did of the day was the pinkies touching so and did you shoot this whole episode in one day mo- like 90 percent of it was in one day then we took 10 days off and then we did like three scenes mm. yeah that that and those nine or ten days in between the the two shoots uh, we just a lot of just building props for those yeah. last three scenes. Well, that actually, you have to do it all yourself. Yeah. And that actually does make sense because both the Sprouse guys had 
in a couple of scenes within the episode, they both had really bushy mustaches and then they didn't yeah. in the rest of it. Yeah. And yeah. I, I was kind of trying to figure out why. Yeah. I didn't really care because I liked the way they looked with them. But still, I was trying. I liked it, but I was still trying to figure out why. I yeah, mean, I just didn't care. Yeah, I mean, I and that's why we're different. Yeah, that is one of the ways we're different. Should we get to the game? Yeah, let's get on to um, that. Just about brings us to time for a segment that is one of my favorites. Um, I you love know it. This segment, you love it. It's time to play judge, jury, and executioner. But I shot a man in Reno just to watch okay. him die. When I hear that whistle blowing, I hang my head and cry. We're going to be playing a little round of judge, jury, and executioner. Uh, everybody deserves to have their day in court. And we're going to uh, provide it here in the ear court. Uh, so tune in, uh, listeners. You may approach the bench. The, your honor is listening. Um, those are uh, some of the various <laughs> catchphrases that I thought of for this segment. Um, and I just smashed them all together to make them into sort of a Voltron super phrase um, that is better than the sum of its parts. So uh, you tuned in to our social feeds and sent us some of your... Um, some things that are bothering you, um, ways that uh, somebody transgressed or um, has done you wrong. Mm -hmm. And what we're going to do is we're going to act as judge, jury, and executioner, and we're going to hear your case and dole out damages as we see fit according to the letter of the law. Yeah. Uh, so, Frank, do you understand the rules? Uh, I hope so. I think I got it, though. Okay. Great. So let's go on, and uh, without any further ado, let's... Adieu. To you and you and you. Yes, let's bid adieu to the intro and instead... Bye-bye. What? Bye-bye. I said bye to the intro. Oh, okay. Bye-bye, intro. Bye-bye. All right, Frank, that's enough. Uh, and let's uh, get on to the meat of the segment. All right, the we don't, get, we don't have the all segment. the time in the world, buddy. Okay. The uh, cream of the segment. Let's hear our first case. This comes from Dre. Uh, she says, one of my roommates ate all the noodles out of my soup last night. I just had broth, carrots, and edamame left. Uh, and then she tacked hmm. on. Um, I don't know if th this is, we've departed from facts here, but she says, so I don't, we can decide whether or not that colors our judgment. Sure. Uh, what kind of sick person? I think I'm living with psychopath. I, may I approach the bench? You may. Why, what kind of soup was it that had edamame in it? Hmm. I, to me, that seems like a good ingredient to add. Like, yeah, no, I'm not arguing with that at all. I just don't know in what type of soup it is typically an ingredient. And this is just me being perhaps dense. I just, um, I would, I, it seems like a South Asian soup could have edamame in it, like a pho or. I have never seen edamame and pho. Anyways, may I approach the bench? Oh, sure, sure, sure. Well, I would think that a soup from um, most likely from Japan might have, if any of the soups were to have edamame in them, I would think the Japanese soup. I think yeah. edamame is Japanese. Yeah, I think you're right. That's neither here nor there. Um, 
Well, and I guess that poses the question, does it matter what is left in the soup? Like, do, does it matter to us what was left in the soup? Or do we only need to be concerned with the noodles being taken out? Well, I think context is key here, Ben. And the context is there was a soup left that was broth and a few veggies. Um, I think that's important to know what what she was left with. Yeah. Well, and we have to ask the question of in what circumstances were the noodles eaten out of it? What I want to know is... Yeah, did they just reach in with their bare paws? Was this, Did they reach in with their hands? Did they use a t- utensil? That's one question that we have to answer. <laughs> um, were they a bear? We have to ask, answer that. Yeah. Uh, did they reach in with their... Because if it was a bear, we can't do much about it. We can't do much about it. Can I approach the bench? Please. Yes, please do. Okay. Uh, uh, judge, jury, uh, it's great to be here. Uh uh, I my main question is maybe they were trying to add through subtraction with this soup and like reduce it down to like a stew of some kind and just get those carbs and those noodles out of it so it's a uh, more pure experience for her. That's not a question. For her? Good. <laughs> also interesting to, that you would make something into more of a stew and less of a soup by taking something solid out. ingredients out. Yeah, I'd never really thought of stews that way as closer to broth than soups. But yeah. when you when you put it that way, it kind of makes sense. It kind of makes sense. Um, also, wait, when did this happen? Uh, I think it happened last night. Um, so from when we were recording she, this, I why was the writer eating soup when it was ninety five degrees out? Now the th- pieces are not adding up. Now I feel like the uh, the. Uh, the second part of it is starting to kind of come into more focus where she says, yeah. what kind of sick person? I think I'm living with psychopath. And it's, are we dealing with a smelt it dealt it kind of a situation? Yeah, are we here? dealing with psychopath? Are we dealing with psychopath who denied it and yet? Supplied it. Exactly. Yeah. May I go back to the bench? Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, okay. just stay uh, up at the bench. It's all right, fine. I'm, I judge. Hey, Jerry. Uh, We're all gathered around the bench. We're all hanging. Okay. Yeah. Everybody's Drinking along. Gatorade. Everybody's Drinking Gatorade, eating hot dogs, eating popcorn. Everyone's welcome at the bench, buddy. Okay. Um, Is because you leave out an article and a sentence make you psychopath? I don't think it Does because you leave out article and sentence make you psychopath? (laughs) This is a question we have asked. Is Dre psychopath... Sending us question Instagram. I think we've covered this topic pretty well. You know, I think she deserves zero dollars. Zero dollars. And a pat on the back. Nice try. I think uh, if you boil that a bit longer and do a bit of a reduction, the broth will like thicken up and it'll be a nice fun, like a fun, uh, just like thick, oily. Like a paste. Like a paste, yes. Toss some flour in there. Make it a roux. Yeah. Well, listeners, as you know, two out of three is a quorum. And so, Dre, <laughs> we award you zero dollars and a pat on the back. And, and a bag of flour. And you need to uh, take whatever's left of that soup and um, boil it for a little while longer to reduce it down into a paste and let your roommate eat the rest of it. Next one. This one comes from Mitch. Mitch says, when I got my first job, my friend said, awesome, I'll take you out for pizza to celebrate. So he took me to Little Caesars. And then after we ate, he asked me when I would pay him back for the Little Caesars. This is this is pretty cut and dry to me. This is offensive on the friend's behalf. I feel terrible for Mitch. I think that's a terrible thing for a friend to do. 
And like, what is he going to do? Sue Mitch for the money, you know? And then will we be judge, jury and executioner on his friend's behalf? No, I'm not taking that case. And of, I mean, obviously tort reform is an issue that we need to take really seriously in this country. I mean, the fact that it even occurs to us that his friend could be so litigious as to sue him yeah. for the money at Little Caesars. I mean, what kind of country are we even living in where people in their right mind think that they could sue for something like that? It's ridiculous. Yeah. The only reason I could see this working out in any way and him like, uh, like the only reason this wouldn't be something that I would be so passionate about is if it happened in international waters, like on a, a one of those Little Caesars boats out in the ocean. Um, but I'm glad it happened on land so that we can actually bring this guy to justice. Uh, I, I've been around craft service tables a lot, so I'm coming from that background. Mm-hmm. Uh, anybody caught trying to get you to pay for craft services uh, is, you get maimed. Like, yeah. Yeah. Like, and is that up. something that you guys encounter a lot out there? It's, like, sometimes a PA thinks they can just like grab a couple brownies off the table and sell it to somebody passing by, and it's like, oh, you're out of here, buddy. Yeah, you're- and as somebody who has been to a Little Caesars, um, wearing a trash bag as a raincoat because they were at the Kentucky Derby and it was very rainy and muddy, and then they decided to sit on the floor of a Little Caesars and eat a pizza instead of going back to the Kentucky Derby, I would say that I'd rather pay for brownies than yeah. a Little Caesars hot and ready. I love you, Little Caesars. If you're not, if you're worth being stolen and not much more. Like you're, the value of a Caesars to me is closer closer to zero than any amount of money. Well, so that brings up the question of: Do you only have to pay what something is worth? For, do you only have to pay for something for what it's worth to you? And mm-hmm. and also the. I mean, what's the what's the issue here? Is the issue if the friend had because we want to make sure that we're talking about this uh, correctly? If the friend had taken him for pizza at somewhere that was nicer, fancier, white tablecloth kind of a place, <clears throat> yeah, like um, Chicago Pizza. Yes, like if the friend had taken him to Chicago Pizza, um, mm-hmm. and the pizza had been delivered with you know, g- like guy doing Italian chef kissing motion. Yes. Like, would it be fair to ask Mitch to pay back for the meal then? Or is it wrong no matter what he took him out for if he says he's going to take him out to celebrate? I think it's wrong no matter what. I truly do. Unless something, unless Mitch at any point offered to help split the bill, which I don't think he would if somebody was like, um, let, let me take you out to dinner. You wouldn't, I mean, maybe you'd like kind of go for your wallet to be nice, like I do on dates all the time. Um, and then sometimes they're like, yeah, let's split the bill. And then you're just kind of like, oh. I was just doing that to be nice. And then sometimes they're like, wouldn't it be more feminist if we split the bill? And then you're like, ha that's funny. Okay, I have to do it now. Yeah, I mean, now you have my wheels turning and I'm kind of thinking we would need to get Mitch on the stand here. Yeah, because well, he's key witness number one. Key mm-hmm. witness number one. Did he pull his wallet out in a big exaggerated motion <laughs> yeah. and say, no, 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 please, I can't accept for you to pay for this whole pizza and then say, and then open his wallet up uh-huh. And then say, "Oh, stupid me, silly me! I forgot to bring any cash. I'll yeah. get you. I'll get you I'll for get this you later." Time, yeah. yeah. What's it called when you're not the defendant? The prosecution. Yeah. The prosecution. The plaintiff. The plaintiff. Yes, yeah. that's what I was thinking. I've been speaking of wheels turning. I've been trying to think of that the whole time we've been playing this game. Well, and so yeah, and so we're talking about a little bit of maybe the tables turning. Where yeah, let's get Mitch up. Mitch is the plaintiff. Let's get him up here on the stand. Let's turn these tables around. Um, M- Mitch, you're on the stand yeah. now. Are you telling us the whole story? Yeah. 
I, I just don't like this move. I feel like it's rude to say you're going to take somebody out and then not take them out or take them out halfway. Um, so I'm going to say uh, Mitch's friend, which I'm putting in huge quotation marks, owes Mitch um, a deep dish pizza. He deserves the same treatment we would give somebody on the, the service table. Cut off those hands. Well... Two out of three is a quorum, uh, as you know out there, listeners. So, uh, Mitch, we award uh, you one deep dish pizza that your friend is going to have to give you. And unfortunately, Mitch, we will be cutting off your hands. Um, I'm not sure if I interpreted that correctly or not. But, yeah, I um, said maiming earlier. I was serious at that point. Yeah. Thing. So, okay. um, yeah. sorry sense. about that, Mitch. Um, but you're going to get a pizza out of the deal. Uh, so, in any case, uh, let's hear from our uh, last listener who sent us in a question um, or a, um, not a question, but a, um, an issue. Uh, so, <laughs> This one comes from Clint, and Clint says, My friend Robel got my name in Secret Santa for Christmas of 2016, and he has yet to give me a present. Now, for context, listeners, uh, you may be listening to this hundreds of years in the future. Yes. Um, Every business in the United States, um, or as I should call it, the United States of China, has been replaced by an Amazon warehouse. Yes. Um, Robotic automatons perform every kind of labor uh, Mm -hmm. imaginable. Mm -hmm. The human mind and body has been freed up to pursue whatever it um, desires. Apple updates its operating system every single day, so you have to buy a new phone every three days. All of that is probably what the world looks like outside uh, your window. If it looks different than that, use your hot tub time machine to send us back a note and tell us what the future looks like. We're, yes. we're waiting to hear it. Mm-hmm. On pins and niddlies. Am I, uh, some of my questions for the future. For me, number one question, am I still alive? Um, I think you will be. I think so too. I'm um, pretty sure I'll be dead. Yeah, I think so, too. Yeah. Write, write us back. Tell us, is Frank Cocaine dead? <laughs> Sarah, do you have some questions for our listener far in the future to send us back over the hot tub time machine? Was I ever happy? Was Sarah ever happy? Tell, tell us. If you have a, if you could, if your hot tub time machine only has three charges left to send us back three messages, those are the things we want to know. Oh, I do want to know if I make featured player status soon. Uh before I die. I, I would like that getting back to me before I pass off this mortal coil. Sure. Okay. If you only have three charges, Franco Kane doesn't want to know if he's dead. He wants to know if he <laughs> makes featured player status before he he's dies. dead. Yeah. But for right now, I just want to let you know this episode's being recorded in 2018. So this was two years ago. Um, so in any case, uh, two years ago, Clint's friend Robel uh, got his name for Secret Santa, um, and it might be 102 years ago for you if you're listening now, uh, and has yet to give him a present. Uh, this one's tough. This seems like really adjacent to the Mitch thing. It's like when you make a promise to a friend, you should probably fulfill that promise, right? Um, unless Robel, I guess maybe he really wanted to get like a super, super nice gift for Clint, and maybe he couldn't, and he's still trying to figure out what that gift is, and maybe he'll surprise him in a few years and be like, hey, remember when I drew you in Secret Santa? I couldn't give you what I wanted to now, but here's the gift that I meant to give. Um, or maybe it's like a Maserati or something. And that's the move. I mean, 
that's a really cool way to treat a friend is <laughs> what you do is you make a friend think that you're going to do something nice for them. And then you actually treat them like absolute garbage and shit for a really long time. Um, but the whole thing is a, is you playing the long game to impress them later by being extra nice to them and make them feel even and make them question whether that whole time they should have had that resentment towards you um, or whether you were actually being a good person and they're the bad person. And that's a good way to treat a friend. So Clint, you're kind of looking like you got egg on your face, buddy. Yeah. Uh, in my, my experience, stuff just happens, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, stuff happens. Yeah, like That's y- what your hat says. Yeah. Stuff happens. Ask me about my huge dick. Uh, okay. I'm we already just, did. Look, I'm just going through everything that's written down on me. On my pants, it has a picture of Bernie Mac. Uh, yeah, everything it says. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you just used uh, you just use your shirt to wipe away all of that glistening sweat from your brow, and it looks like your shirt is actually printed in magic marker. Oh yeah. So that the message just changed. It said, "I might tell you that I want you to. I, I might." Um, <laughs> oh, it's okay. Uh, stuff happens. Don't worry about it, man. Uh, I, in regards to which is of course co- what it said when your shirt, the magic marker, made it reveal. I, the listeners might not get the context there, but like um, Frank was just filling in for what I was saying. His shirt changed. The message changed to yeah. changed to saying it's okay, man. Stuff happens. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's the overarching theme of what I want to tell Clint is just like sometimes your friends forget stuff. Sometimes money gets tight. Sometimes, like, it, I, I wouldn't take it personal. Like, it's, how much is a Secret Santa gift? Like, $15, $20 normally? Like, maybe, some, like, people get busy. Like, you can't you can't hold these grudges in your heart. Because then you're doing stuff like maiming people over selling some brownies to somebody. Like, you can't live like that your whole life. You gotta yeah. move on sometimes. Maybe Robel should just buy him a pizza. That sounds pretty good good to me like a nice pizza with an italian chef that goes at the end yeah i i think that's about 15 to 20 dollars and if you're listening to this show 100 years in the future dollars were a form of fiat currency Mm -hmm. uh not backed by gold in the united states bank that Mm -hmm. crumbled around the year 2045 yeah think of it as sort of like an amazon bucks but um but not supported by the blockchain right yeah, and you could buy stuff that like wasn't on Amazon. Like you could buy anything if that makes sense. Like there were people who were Amazon selling things. It's really hard to explain. Yeah, there used to be this thing called competition and it would happen in businesses. One business would sell something like a pizza, which was a form of um non liquid non liquid food. Yeah, and it had like a crust and um which was made from bread, which yeah, is yeah, yeah. comes from Wheat, wheat, which would be ground yeast. to make into flour and yeah, yeast. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then on top of it, it would have a sauce made of tomatoes, which is still obviously a liquid form of food now that, or in the future that we, we can consume. Um, and then it would be, um, there would be cheese on top of the sauce. And um, sometimes it would be topped with like some meat. Or ve- It is really hard to describe um, pizza to somebody who doesn't, who has no concept of, anything that's non-liquid or any food that isn't just prepackaged, um, just um, meal, meal packs yeah, that meal they packs. put onto their IV, uh, yeah. in their cryo bag. Right. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. It's really hard to describe, but, um, yes. let me just say it sucked. It wasn't good. Yeah. So if you're living a hundred years in the future and 
you're listening to this message, just know that you're living in the best time in the history of the world. And that every time before that, everybody was unhappy yeah. um, and hurt always. Yeah, always. Anyway, I think, um, yeah, I think Rebel should buy <laughs> Clint a deep dish pizza. Well, uh, and I want to go back. I want to go back to Dre's question. And I think her roommate should also buy her a deep dish pizza. I think everybody in this game deserves a deep dish pizza. And and I just want to reiterate, I want to go back might be what you are saying in the future. Um, trust me, you don't. It's bad. It's bad. You don't want to go back. So I think we got to the part of the game where we decide which one of us is the judge, which one of us is the jury, and which one of us is the executioner. Excellent. I call judge. I'll be the jury. Guys. I guess you're the executioner again, Sarah. Well, that's all for judge, jury, and executioner. And that brings us to uh, Sarah's favorite segment of the show, our penultimate segment. Uh, Sarah, I'll let you do the honors. It's time for the rescue report. All right, hero heads, let's crank them out. Uh, Let's find out who was saved this episode. Since this was an episode about the law, it's kind of uh, just three people, and that's the three of us in the room. Yeah, it was kind of interesting how... Nothing all really those, happened. What about all those pop bunkers? There, they were saved a little bit. They were in, like, in the grand sense of the word, but they were not in any sort of moral, mor- moral peril. <laughs> they weren't in any mortal peril either. Yeah, I mean, they had that interview out on the courthouse steps where they interviewed the pop bunkers about the case, and I mean, they went so far as to say, "This isn't a life and death issue for us." Yeah, yeah. Um, so to me, it's just like three people were saved, and that's us. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis's acting career was saved when he found out that he should be a oil man in the late 1800s uh, and early 1900s. Maybe. maybe. I don't know. I mean, he did kind of um, he did kind of turn straight towards the camera and he said, I don't need this. So, And he winked with both eyes. I don't know about that one. I um, really got to say it was just the, the three of us. I really got to have to, If I have to say one thing this entire episode, I have to say it was just the three of us. Well, there was the part where um, I think the relationship between Mark Briggs and the other heroes was saved uh, when he went back to them. Again, that's... Uh, it's like, is a relationship dying the same as a as a person dying? And... Now that I'm thinking about it, I have to say yes. As somebody who has had a lot of relationships um, die, I guess you could say over time, I'm I'm thinking it's almost as bad as when somebody dies in real life and they're actually dead. Yeah, I mean, maybe, I don't know. Uh, What is death really is, I guess, what you kind of have to ask at that point. Yeah. I mean... In French, they call orgasms le petit mort. Um, they call them little deaths. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So sometimes death is real. Sometimes it's figurative. Yeah. And sometimes you can save someone by dying. I wish I died because I orgasmed so hard. Do you, though? That's been the rescue <laughs> report. <laughs> And that brings us to uh, time to say goodbye to our guest, Franco Kane, to thank you, Frank, for coming on the show. Um, sayonara. See you later. Ciao. Bye-bye. <laughs>
And that brings us to our <laughs> ultimate segment, which is the uh, next week on. Yeah. Boy, really excited to talk about the next week on. Yeah. Today. Yeah. Um, um, uh, I know you told me to watch it and um, tell everybody about it because you didn't, you couldn't watch it. Um, yeah. Did you not see it? No. What? I didn't see it. I thought for sure you were going to watch it this week because I was like, I can't watch it this week. Yeah, I know. But something happened. What are you talking about? You know that I was out celebrating our talent show and... Yeah, and then you made me go home just to watch <laughs> next week on. Uh, yeah, I was like, I DVR'd the show, I DVR, mm-hmm. but I set my DVR to 55 minutes. Mm-hmm. And I need you to go back and watch the next week on because I got to go out and celebrate this talent mm-hmm. show. Mm-hmm. And you were like, can I come? And I was like, no, someone needs to watch the next week on. I got to go celebrate. Yeah. Huh. So here's the thing. I don't know what happened. I mean, I was totally counting on you and it's no excuse that I consider it no excuse that a bunch of teens uh, were trying to see if they could throw rocks from across the highway into the ocean, and when our trailer was getting driven driven by it on driven. <laughs> Wait, so, so you so you know what happened? Yeah, I know what happened. I know that there were a bunch of cool teens standing on uh, one side of the highway trying to see if they could throw rocks out into the ocean, like they always that game that teen game that teens love to play, and then it went through the pane of glass in our trailer and it landed on our tv and smashed it yeah well and also one of them bonked me in the head and now i have a huge like a huge bump on my head and you knew that and you knew all of that and you didn't even care about my head getting bonked really hard but you did care that i missed next week on but here's the deal if i saw it, i probably wouldn't even remember it because i was concussed well um how's that for a petite mort all right that's been next week on And that brings us on to our ultimate and ultimate segment, which is, of course, uh, as you know, the Ray Romano Memorial Promo section. Uh, So we're going to go back to uh, Frank Cocaine. Welcome back, Frank. Hi, hi. Sorry we pushed you out of the trailer onto the highway so that you had to run behind the trailer and hop back in to do this. But um, we wanted to make sure you had a chance to uh, plug anything that you have coming up. Hey, this isn't the first time I've gotten road rash in the middle of a segment, so it's okay. Uh, I, 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 Frank Cocaine, have nothing really to plug, but like, I think this guy on Twitter is pretty funny. His name's Otto Aiken. His, as uh, what's the word? Sorry, uh, I'm dealing with a concussion. Deal, deal, doing, uh, doing, do the. And that's a quorum <laughs> on people in the room who have concussions. Uh, uh, anyways, Frank, you honestly it. have no excuse to be dealing with that because we put a bunch of skateboards trailing all around the big rig out on the highway. So it's your problem if you didn't land on one. I know, but they were birdhouse. They broke like fucking twigs. So anyway, uh, anyways, follow at Otto Aiken on Twitter. Uh, bye bye. <laughs> and that's uh, O T T O A K I N. You could call him the best boy of Twitter. And that's been it for our Rome, Rome, uh, our Ray Romano Memorial promo section. So, of course, we hope that you rest, rest in Deborah. Smells like courage.
Thanks again for listening to Please Save Me, the official recap podcast of Chicago Heroes, television's number one show. Please make sure to tell a friend about the show. Uh, We really appreciate it if you help us get new listeners. Um, Tell them that you're liking what you're hearing. And while you're at it, go ahead and tell the internet uh, by rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts. Make sure you give us five stars. Okay, uh, thanks. Bye. Bye. Ha!